Awesome. So the first thing I got to say is take that, Satan. <laughs> you want to mess with our mics? Look what's going to happen out of that. Lindsay's going to bust through. Austin's going to keep going. And then look what's going to break out. So do your worst, I say. <laughs> Good morning, Antioch family. It's been a while since I've been up here. And uh, I miss that because this is the best seat in the house to see everybody's faces. And so it's good to see you. And I want to uh, also thank you for all the notes and the texts about my back. I, I am actually, I had my surgery. I am actually months ahead of what the surgeon said I'd be. Thank you. And I am months behind where I said I would be. Welcome to the challenging life of my poor wife, Linda Zanaco. You can pray for her. So... Um, I have to say that I got so much out of that biblical formation series that we came out of. I know that I'm probably biased, but I've gotten more out of that series than probably any series that I've ever heard preached. And I, I know I'm biased, but I can honestly say I don't know that I've ever heard biblical formation taught in such clarity and with such practicality. And then Austin comes up here last week. Did he do a great job or what? <laughs> Way to go, Austin. In fact, I walk out in the lobby afterwards, and two of my friends that know I was going to preach the next week said this to me with their encouragement, try to top that next week. That's a great way to head into preparation, knowing you can only fail. I love it. Um, okay, that's enough about Andrew and Austin. Let's talk about me. Austin said that as we walked, and Andrew's going to take these four weeks off of preaching, that we were not going to kick into a new series. Instead, we were just asked simply to preach about something that God has laid on our heart. And so I'm going to share from that this morning. If you could begin to turn to Psalm 139, that's where we're going to launch our time together. My topic this morning is developed in the Psalms. And please stand with me for the reading of the word. And we're going to read through Psalm 139, verses 1 through 12 together. It should be up on the screen as well. 139, 1 through 12, O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You, stretch, you search out my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it. All together, you hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I free from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there as well. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the outermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall, over, shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Go ahead and be seated. Is this sounding okay? Should I switch to the wire? Okay. All right. The psalm this psalm describes a shift that happened in my thinking, a shift that happened in my understanding that ultimately impacted my time with God. And I'm sharing this with you this morning in hopes that it will establish in this house for all of us to help establish, maintain, and help us all to flourish in our time with God. Time with God is not a new topic to this house. It's not unique, and it may perhaps it not even be that exciting We to you. talk we about talk time with God a lot at Antioch. 
under the banner of personal devotion, time with God is one of our core values of our church. I would venture that some think we focus on this too much. We talk about it too much. We ask each other about it too much. In fact, I would say that some might even be tempted to check out right at the beginning of this message. What more can we hear about the time of God? If you're tempted to check out, I'm going to ask you, please, for two things. Just two things. Please, will you give me a couple of minutes to make the case for why the topic is so worth the time and the focus that we put on it, and it is worth our time this morning. And second, will you come and listen with an open heart that God actually wants to speak to you personally in this message, that somewhere in here, God wants to either establish or unlock a freshness with him that you've never experienced before. That second ask is a huge ask, but that's how we must approach the word of God with incredible expectation that right here, right now, God has something for each one of us. Why is time with God so vital? The first evidence I want to put forth is to the importance of time with God is the clear personal testimony that Jesus taught about time with God. Jesus modeled time with God. And time with God was vital to Jesus' mission, ministry, and life. In John chapter 4, Jesus' disciples actually come to him and they try to give him physical food because he has not eaten and they know he's hungry. And he says, I don't need that food. I have food you don't even know about. And the food that he was referring to was his intimate connection to God the Father. Jesus also said he would only do what he saw the Father doing. And he would only say and do what, the God, what Father, God the Father had commanded him to do. The scriptures are clear that all during Jesus' life, he would go off alone for that vital one-on-one -on -one time with God the Father. I love this truth that Andrew has put before us often. He said, Jesus did not come to give us a better relationship with God. Jesus came to give us his relationship with God. That's big. That's worth writing down. And I didn't say it, so I can say that. If time with God was vital to Jesus in his life, then I think it is also fair for us to assume and know that it is even more vital for us in our lives. The second reason for spending so much time teaching and encouraging each other in time with God is that although it is so vital to the life of Jesus and so vital to the life of a believer and a disciple of Jesus, the statistics show that most of us, most professing Christians do not have an established time with God. Last statistics I saw was about 30%. And in my personal experience, I want to say to you that I think it's very possible that that number is inflated. I have served on church boards. I have served on ministry boards. I have served on Christian school boards. I have served on mission boards. And I have been involved with hundreds of Bible study groups. And the truth is, when asked honestly, there will be an admission that it is time with God that is one of the biggest struggles for believers to establish. And it is one of the first things that goes when our busy lives hit us. Praise God, I think our numbers at Antioch actually exceed 30%. But we're believing for 
So that's why we're going to keep talking about it. Also, of those who do spend time with God, it's a struggle often. They admit freely that it feels like a task or a chore. Who has not struggled with dry times of God? I can tell you without exaggeration that while the topic is not new, it's not unique, and it may not be exciting, it is the number one topic I am asked about by other believers. Mature believers, young believers, old believers, the most common topic that I am asked is how, what, when, what do I do with my time with God? And it always comes from different angles and directions, but in the end, it's always because the person is struggling with meaning and purpose, and deep and depth in their time with God. Third, and the last reason that I want to put before you why it is so worth our time, is that it's, and it's not the least of the reasons, is the biblical formation series has shown us the reality of the spiritual realm we are up against, the spiritual battle that we are in. And I want to tell you, Satan is fine if you go to church. Satan is fine if you attend Bible studies. He's fine if you, even a pastor, none of that is insurmountable for him. I believe in all my heart if there's one thing, just one thing that Satan does not want you to taste of, it is personal time between you and God. He does not want you to have what Jesus purchased for you, undeniable, unbreakable, life-changing fellowship with God. That he's got nothing for. And he's seen the power that comes out of it too often, and he doesn't want to see it again in you. So that's a long introduction and hopefully convinces you to hang in there with me as this ta- then that this topic is worth continual and passionate focus. Now for today, I want to look at a critical question that came about, comes about our time with God, and it came out of a discussion I had on a vacation many, many years ago. I was at a dude ranch. We were having an awesome time. In the background, most of the staff were Christians, and one young wrangler walked up to me in his time off and said, could I get time with you to talk to you? I am struggling with my time with God. So we went and got a couple of milkshakes, and we sat, and I listened to him as he told me all that he did during his time with God, and all that he described, and I said, and I interrupted him after he was telling me all that he was doing, and I said, I know, but what is your goal? What's your goal with time with God? And he said, I think I just answered that. I read my Bible, I pray, sometimes I listen to worship music, and I responded, I said, those are methods Those are techniques, those are tools, those are pathways, but that is not a goal. What is your goal for meeting with God? And he looked at me and he said, I don't know that I have a goal. I said, what is your goal for reading the Bible? What is your goal for listening to music? What is the goal that you have in praying? And he said, I don't know. And I said, then how do you know when you've done it? How do you know when you've met with God? And he looked at me with total frustration. He said, that's exactly my problem. I don't know that I am meeting with God. And today, I want to share with you what we talked about over those milkshakes in this afternoon. And the title of the message is simply, The Goal of Time with God. (laughs) 
In the Bible, we have all different kinds of books that are written for different purposes, books that give us our beginning, books that we give us the law and some rules and some guidelines, books of the prophets that tell us what God did do and what he is going to do, books of, or the gospels that tell us the story of Jesus. We have the letters and the epistles and the teachings that got circulated in the early churches. We have the book of Acts, which tells the story of the Holy Spirit. There are many places in the Bible we can go to see what our goal is for our time with God and I believe it is presented all through the Bible. But for today, we're going to look to the Psalms. We're going to camp solely in the Psalms to get and see if we can find what is the goal of our time with God. The Psalms are poems, songs, sonnets written by people of God and their experience with God. They are real recordings, people just writing down real people of God and their real experiences with God. And sometimes they're very raw. And they're very honest. And we can look and say they are people just like you and I. Often the Psalms reflect people that are confused by God. People that are disappointed with God. People that are hurt by God because of their lack, of his lack of interaction on their behalf. A people struggling with the fairness of God. A people asking often, you'll see in there, is following God really worth it? It's honest. It's raw. It's me. At least I've been there. The fact is that in one form or another, life often brings me to that questions or one of those questions. Life was hard for them, and it's hard for us. Life wears us down. Trials wear us out. Injustice tears at our faith. Illness, financial struggles, relational strife, loneliness rips at our hearts. It's always been hard. It is hard. The biblical formation series helped us see why this is not how God had intended for things to be. He is redeeming. He is redeeming things. But in the meantime, it's hard. And one of the things we see the people of God do with God in the Psalms is to put all their questions, all their hurts, and all their needs right out in front of him. Psalm 142 says this, With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell him my trouble. I put my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. They put their needs and their concerns and their questions right out in front of God. I want you to know, part of my launch with time with God is I do the same. I often do the same. I actually have a place down in my basement. I head down in my basement. I keep the lights low. I put a humidifier or a fan on in the background so that it feels like it's just me and God. And then, and then I take all of my fears and my concerns and my, and my questions and I put them before him. And I can tell you, I do it out loud. That's what David said, with my voice. So I'm doing it out loud, and I'm just going to tell you, for me, it helps. It's done with respect and reverence and knowledge that God is always right. It's just an honest time with me and God of saying, here they are. 
And sometimes that's a necessity. That is not the goal. But I believe it's a welcome and needed preparation for reaching the goal with time with God. And remember, David said, he already knows. He already knows. It helps to put it out, to offload all of those things to prepare for the goal of time with God. Then having done that, I start moving towards the goal, towards the, what waits for me in that time. The first step to reaching the goal of time with letting God is to let God change our perspective. Let God take us higher than where we currently sit. Psalm 61, 1 and 2 says, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock is that is higher than I am. This is a psalmist acknowledging a great truth. From my vantage point, Lord, I can't see hope. From my vantage point, I can't see salvation. From my vantage point, I can't see the pathway from where I sit, but you sit higher than I do. I know you can lift me, Lord, to see like you see. And he does it. He changes our perspective. My daughter-in-law and, and son-in-law, or my daughter and son-in-law are wilderness guides. And in their training, they teach the first thing. If you're out in the wilderness and you get lost, the first thing you do is climb. Climb higher. Because from that highest perspective, you are often able to see your way home. And in our time with God, we go to let him take us higher, to lift us to where he sees. We get to see how he sees. We see this throughout the Psalms. People stuck. They cannot see. Their perspective gets warped and they start losing hope. And then God shows up and he lifts them higher. You can see it actually happen in the Psalms. You can look in Psalm 73 and the writer takes 16 straight um, verses of complaints, 16 straight observations of injustice, 16 straight places where the people who don't follow God seem to be doing better than the people who follow God, 16 straight verses of complaint, and then in verse 17, he gets lifted by God. And he says this, until I return to the sanctuary of God, and then I understood that's what God will do for us. Take all of those questions and all those complaints and lift us higher than they are. And then we can say, oh, now I see like you see. And there's hope and there's salvation and there's promise wherever he sits and wherever he stands. And he will take us there. Interesting, that psalmist that wrote that was probably written during the exile. That meant there was no, there was no sanctuary. There was no temple. There was no building. There were no instruments. They had everything taken from them. And still somehow he says, until I return to the sanctuary of God. The sanctuary of God is simply the presence of God. And that is available to us every time, every minute, every second of every day. And when we get there, we will get lifted like he does and say, ah, then I understood. To reach the goal of time with God, we must let him take us higher so that we can, than we can possibly ever get on our own. Second, if we are to reach the goal for our time with God, we must renew our hearts by drawing closer 
letting him draw us incredibly close, closer than we ever knew we could be, and he will do it. Psalm 131 says this, Oh, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or things that are just too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. The first step to the goal in gaining God, the first step about going higher is about trying to gain God's view. The second is about feeling, feeling God's heart for you. You can. You can. Like a weaned child, that may be tough for some of you to hear, especially for the men. That sounds a little woo-woo. That might be a little difficult, but I want to tell you, it might make you squirm a little bit, but it's good. This picture is someone who gets it. I just want to tell you it's someone who gets it. It's someone who understands that by their own power, they have failed, that there is nothing that they can hold on to, lean to, that they can trust at all times and in every case. This is someone who's been through the hard things and said, there are some things that are just too too difficult for me, and I am one of those someones. I am one of those someones. You're looking at a man who has tried to grab everything that is needed in my life and for myself and for everyone I love. I work, I plan, I use resources, I will, and I fight. I am the last to ever give up. I guarantee you those that know me and love me best in this house are right now saying to the rest of you, if you only knew how true what he's saying. I exhaust my wife and those who love me. On top of that, I want to say this honestly. I am a man of privilege and I am a man of means. According to the IRS standards, I have more than the vast majority in the world because, and because I've lived in this city for more than 30 years, I have connections and access to people that many people do not. Because I had some notoriety and some perception of success, I have access to people and services most of you do not. I have all that this world has to offer, and I tried to grab it, and I tried to hold it. I tried with all that I had to grab contentment by filling my bank accounts. I tried in every way I could by making plans and setting environments for my family. I tried in every way to entertain myself with pleasure, comfort, and by my eyes. I tried even in my spiritual walk to grab it so hard so that I would know everything and come to a place of rest. And that was the result. All my striving, <laughs> that was the result. Money failed. Environment, creation is no guarantee. My children, I could not keep them safe. I was powerless to keep them healthy. In fact, I found out very clearly that I could not even keep them alive. Plan after plan failed, and eventually my strength failed along with it. And I had nothing more to give. One of my children got sick to the point of death. I found doctors. I found care centers. I found the best in the country, teams and teams of doctors for years and years to go after this in my power, in my plans, with my access, with my connections. And still, one morning, I got the call that my daughter might die. 
And in the time with God that morning, I wrote a letter. It was a short letter, a very short letter, and I still have this letter, and it simply said this, I have nothing left to try, Jesus, nothing. I have no more plans, and I have no more strength. For the first time, I put my girl and my family completely in your hands. And then I got down on a hard tile floor, and I cried like a baby. And then God got down on the floor with me. And I heard him say, I will be enough. I will be enough for your daughter and for your family, whether she lives or she dies. I promise you I will be with you and I will be enough. And I knew it was true. I felt and I knew more than anything anyone could tell me, God had just drawn me next to his heart. And I felt that everything he promised was true. There it was. There I was. I was a weaned child with its mother next to the heart of God. Strive after drops. God says, just come to me and I'll give you the ocean. The third step in reaching the goal of time with God is to rest in the covering we have from God. Psalm 139, three through six says this, you search out my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways, or you're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it together. You hem me in behind me and before me and you lay your hand over me. Psalm is a picture of someone taking refuge in the protection of God, taking refuge in the fact that God is always with them. God knows everything that they're going through and everything they ever will go through. And God has picked them up, put them in the center, put walls around them, and then protects them because he puts his hand over all of that. God has put them in the center of something that no one can breach without his permission. And there you find rest. Though it may not always feel like it, this person knew that there's never, never, never a time that God is not with him. This is a difficult one for me. I tend to fall into doubt, not that doubt God exists, but doubt that he's actively moving into my problems. And in my time, I renew my mind and my heart in the truth. There's no place I can go. He will not be with me and surround me on all sides and his hand cover me from above. The last step in reaching the goal of time with God is to be strengthened by the truth of the power of God. Psalm 145, 10 through 12 says this, all your works shall give thanks to you O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and glorious splendor of your kingdom. God could be real and not good, and that would not be comforting. God could be real and good and not powerful, and that still isn't very comforting. In our time with God, God is all about saying to our hearts and our souls and our minds, I am real, I am good, and I am powerful. And that provides comfort and assurance we cannot get anywhere else. There they are. 
Those are the steps for reaching the goal of our time with God. Change our perspectives by letting God take us higher. Renew our hearts by letting God draw us closer. Rest in the assurance of God that he surrounds us. Be strengthened by his assurance that he is powerful. Do these, do these like the psalmist, and you will reach the goal of time with God. And what is that goal? In the simplest terms, it's just this. The goal of time with God is to remember, remember all that God is and all the truths that he holds. You say, is that it? Yeah, that's it. But do not think that's easy. Do not think it's automatic. This is power to change our lives. And it is a simple goal, but it is not easy or automatic because Jesus warned us. Mark 4.19 says, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things will draw, will take uh, and choke out the world, the word in us. It will choke out his faithfulness. It will choke out all the truth that there is about God. And that's exactly what happens. We go out there and immediately the taunts come. You can be your own God. You have a good mind. Use it. Come up with a plan. God is actually keeping some of the good stuff from you. God is not active. He's not powerful. There's not more miracles. The gifts are dead. You're on your own. So you better get to work on things. Here's what I've discovered. Every anxiety I feel, every fear that overcomes me, every doubt that shakes me, every temptation that pulls me has a root back to something I have forgotten about God or stopped believing about God. I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come on back up. Every fear, every temptation that pulls me, if you tell me what it is, I will show you how it leads to something you have forgotten or stopped believing about God. What we need more than anything else in our lives is to constantly remember the truths about God and we do that best right with him as he minister our minds and our hearts and our souls in different ways than anything else can. The goal of lifetime with God is to remember that all of the Bible, everything that's in there is true. Because if everything that it says about God is true, that there is nothing, nothing that he has Everything, everything comes out of the who God is. And when we are...
because I will get there. He will come. And when I come, I'll forget about the day I didn't get there. All of it's part of the journey. Give yourself permission. Don't judge yourself on every day. Extend your time out. And remember, because the question is, what if I miss a day? Somebody said, what if I miss a day? Am I then without his blessing? Let me answer quickly on that. The time with God, the gift that he wants to give you, it is a gift he died to give you, not a reward he is waiting for you to to have a response time to the word 
but not just to this message, to anything that you may have before us. We're going to have some of our prayer team come up front. And before I invite anybody to come down for prayer, one of the other things we have to say is that this invitation that we're talking about, this relationship with God, the pathway to it is to know Jesus. And Jesus is available for each and every one of you. And there may be some here this morning that don't know Jesus and haven't asked Jesus into their lives. It's not tricky. It's simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. It goes something like this. And if you want to do this, I'm going to ask you to take this time right now. And I'm just going to lead you in a quick prayer, if that's something for you, so that you can open up the treasures that I've talked about this morning. Lord, the prayer would go something like this. Lord, I see my need. I see my weakness. I see my failures. And I see that you can take care of them all. And so without all the full language and all the full knowledge, I simply say, I give my life to you and trust you for all of it more than I trust myself. And if you've prayed that prayer this morning, there'll be somebody in our team off to the right and right outside that door that we want to share some resources and some action with you. So if there's something, please don't leave without telling somebody. And now for our prayer time. Nothing magic about it. Just kind of what we did at the beginning of the service. Maybe you need prayer for your time with God. One aspect or another. I need to be lifted higher, God. I need to be renewed in your power, God. I need to know that you have me surrounded, God. Come forward. And if it's not from the message and there's just another need in your life, this is the place. This is the time. Don't leave without getting what you need. This is not a time for counseling. It's just a time for prayer. They're here for you. So as we worship, I'm going to close us in prayer and then we'll worship and anybody that wants to come forward for some prayer. Lord, I thank you for this word that you've given us this morning. I thank you for the promises that only you can deliver. I thank you for hope that exceeds and rises up above this world and anything that we can see or touch unless we are with you. So Lord, you've given us the invitation. You've given us the promise. Help us to take that invitation, to accept that promise, and to move into you. Because everything changes in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray.